Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Passing Shot. Madrid Open organisers announce virtual tennis tournament. The Rogers Cup in Montreal is postponed until 2021. And we remember some of the most iconic tennis fashions on tour. And welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans, for fans, with your hosts, Joel and Kim. Hope you've all been soaking up the sun on this glorious Easter bank holiday weekend. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about fashion and reflecting on all the weird, wonderful and downright wacky tennis outfits that have graced us over the years on the ATP and WTA tours. We'll also be reflecting on the announcement that the Madrid Open will be run as a virtual tennis tournament and the Rogers Cup has been postponed in Montreal. Kim, it's Easter. It's a four day weekend. Have you been keeping busy? You've been on any Easter egg hunts? I don't know about Easter egg hunts, Joel, but I have been enjoying my garden and making the most of the sunshine. Um, bit of sunbathing, bit of swing ball, uh, getting my, my tennis fix in uh, the best way I know how to. We need to have a swing ball match. We do. Um, but how would we do that virtually? I'm not sure. Maybe we can ask the, the Madrid Open for some tips. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to eating some chocolate later and uh, yeah, just chilling out really. Favourite sort of Easter Easter treat? Are you a lint, lint bunny? Oh, oh, lint. Um, no, I'm, I'm a Cadbury's girl, I have to say. Although I love any chocolate, to be fair. I'm all about the, the, lint, the lint balls, the lint chocolate balls. They are my I'm a bit more favorites. mainstream than you then, Joel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on from Easter, we have had a couple of things happen in the tennis world this week, Kim. Um, I think kind of the biggest thing to happen comes in Madrid obviously Madrid open it's not happening but rather than kind of cancel the event completely the organizers have announced that they're going to be doing a virtual tennis tournament and they're going to basically players are essentially going to be swapping their rackets for a I think a PlayStation 4 controller um, and battling against each other to become I guess the 2020 Madrid virtual open champion um, and the video game, yeah, Tennis World Tour is going gonna, is gonna to be used. So I think a few players have signed up already. I think Nadal's involved. Uh, Andy Murray is going to be playing as well. Um, and uh, some women's players as well, like Kiki Burton's. But uh, yeah, this is, a bit, uh, this is a bit new. It feels a bit... Um, I mean, we've seen... I think we've seen this a little bit in Formula One going into kind of eSports. And it feels like tennis is almost kind of following suit. Yeah, I know Formula One held a virtual race or maybe last weekend, um, but I didn't see any of that. So I'm not sure whether it was like particularly successful um, or how the fans kind of gauged it. But yeah, this is this is going to be interesting. Um, There's going to be 16 players involved. Uh, It's going to be over four days. So um, I I think it's going to be streamed on their social media and I guess the website. So I'm assuming it's it's free to access for everyone. Um, but there's actually going to be a prize pot as as well. So I think total prize money for this virtual tournament is going to be £132,000, which is quite a considerable sum, considering, I guess, it's not probably costing them an awful lot of money to to put this on. I mean, I guess they're trying to reap some of the uh, the proceeds that they didn't get from the tour i don't i don't really know but um i think whoever does win the tournament and gets however much money they're gonna donate it i would assume and, and hope so to kind of covid efforts um because the players that are involved in this virtual tournament 
I are going to be, you know, top players, obviously like Nadal, Murray. So it's not like they're going to need this kind of extra money. So I, w- I would expect them all to kind of donate everything uh, to respective like, healthcare systems or charities, to be honest. Or also, I think to the, the lower ranked players obviously aren't earning at, the, at this time. I think that's the idea as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it is all for a good, you know, it's all for a good cause. Um, I was having a little bit of a delve into the video game itself, which I'm not going to like him has not had <laughs> even the Wikipedia page does not have the most glowing reviews of the game. I've not played it myself. I don't know if any of our listeners have played it and have any thoughts on whether this game is, is any good or not. But um, yeah, I thought it was quite funny that, um, I mean, you know, Nadal, for example, I think, I think can play as himself but someone like Andy Murray uh he is not on the video game so he's uh, he's gonna have to choose he's gonna have to choose someone to play as who who do you think he's gonna choose so sorry is he not on it because when is this like a new game they've set up and obviously Andy's not in the top ranked players at the moment so they didn't think to create him it was something along those lines yeah well if Djokovic isn't playing this virtual tournament then I would hope I would expect him to pick Novak but I don't know how it works like when each player is set up do they have like, you know, extra skill set if you're like Rafa compared to say John Isner? Like, is it reflective of their rankings or are they basically just the same except for like a different haircut or something? I'm not sure how it works. I haven't played PlayStation in about 15 years, so I'm really not au okay with like technology. I'm just looking at the player list now. So uh, Nadal also actually is going to have to play as someone completely... Oh, really? You can't play as himself. So play, players involved in, I think you can be, according to their website, you could be Federer, you could be Wozniacki, you could be Zverev, uh, Dimitrov's in there, Dominic Team, Kyle Edmund is in there. So I don't know yes. if Andy Murray would, would be... Uh, wow. You know, stick to the British, stick to the British theme, go play as Kyle Edmund. Um, but yeah. Uh, I wonder be, if they needed int- like rights in order to set the people up. Like maybe players didn't give their permission or mm. something when they were setting up this this game. I don't know. That's quite random. <laughs> I'm really interested to see now what players people people choose. Um, and uh, yeah, the format, it's not a straight knockout format. I think the way it's going to work is, as you said, 16 players is going to be, I think, two groups. And from there, they'll advance into a knockout stage uh, with a quarters, semi, and final. Um, oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm interested. I feel like it's more kind of a one-off sort of stunt to kind of promote um, and raise, um, you know, money and, and raise awareness, obviously, for for coronavirus efforts. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it could it could catch on. I know we've seen, you know, previously, you know, the French Open uh, introduced kind of esports to the tennis world feels like you know as i said some sports are more evolved on this ones maybe like formula one certainly you know football with you know uh with fifa the fifa video games but uh yeah maybe this is kind of the start potentially of of tennis going into that esport esport uh territory yeah, I mean, I don't think it will be like for every tournament. I think it may be a, a select others might go down this route, you know, as a sort of, yeah, like fundraising thing. Um, but yeah, I guess also it's big promo for this game, Tennis World Tour. Um, it might encourage other people to purchase it while they're stuck at home, isolating. Who knows? So uh, I imagine they're putting up most of the money for it. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, it's it's the it's the only tennis we're going to get. So April 27th is when it's kicking off. So two weeks from now, we will have some sort of tennis, um, and I can cheer Rafa on still, which is great. So. Yes. Um, and also, so that was one piece of news that came out this week. And then I think uh, last night as well, um, it was announced that uh, the Rogers Cup in Montreal has been postponed um, until uh, 20, uh, until, sorry, until 2021. Um, and I think this came from basically the government kind of putting a blocker on events up until the end of August. And as a result of that, uh, they, you know, obviously had to, to unfortunately postpone straight cancel to the following season. But the interesting thing I think here, Kim, is that, you know, this is played, uh, this, this is played alongside the, the ATP uh, equivalent in Toronto. And that, hasn't been cancelled yet so um you know I, i'm you know i feel like you know 99% certain that will be cancelled further down the line but at the moment we've got one half of it going ahead 
and the other half not going ahead. Yeah, you think they might have maybe collaborated and, and announced at the, at the same time, perhaps, because, yeah, as it stands, <laughs> half of it's going ahead. But I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before Toronto do announce the same thing. It's probably just because the, the local, like, regional governments have had to take various decisions at slightly different stages, perhaps. Um, but yeah, next year, will they then um, sort of carry on with Montreal for WTA, Toronto for ATV? I assume they wouldn't then reverse back, um, which would have been the natural state of events. I assume they'll just kind of skip out this year entirely, but not that it really matters, but um, just, you know, because there's always swapping that one, isn't it? So anyway. Yeah, it's always it's, it's always a bit confusing, isn't it? I always, I'm yeah. not sure whether it's if the, if the women are in Montreal or in Toronto or whatever. But and Also uh, in yeah. uh, Montreal, it's the Coupe Roger, I think, not actually Roger's Cup. Um because of the French uh, speaking, but but yeah. Anyway, um, moving on, Joel, we've got a slightly different topic for today, something a bit more fun and frivolous, perhaps. Um, we're going to be talking about fashion in tennis. Um, I just want to put out that I'm not a very fashionable person, so perhaps I'm very <laughs> ill-equipped to be commenting on what other players are wearing or have been wearing over the last, I don't know, 40 years. But we're just going to talk about some of the most iconic and memorable items of clothing and I guess discuss if they are either like a fashion favourite or a fashion faux pas. Um, and of course, you know, listeners, you can play along. We've selected, I think, eight different outfits uh, from kind of the tennis history books. And yeah, we want to know what you think of all these outfits. Did you like them? Did you think they were a disaster? Um, and also we have had quite a lot of um, suggestions from our listeners as well. We put this out on Twitter over the weekend. So thank you for everyone who's commented and given us some ideas to get started as well. So Joel, are we going to start off? Do you want to lead in with, I think, one of your favourites? First item of clothing up for debate, uh, and it's a recent one. And it was probably, uh, dare I say, maybe the most significant thing that Grigor Dimitrov did in the 2020 season. Uh, it is his tracksuit for the Australian Open, which he debuted in, in Melbourne in round one against Londero. I don't know if anyone else can remember this, but it was essentially, I mean, it was a dark purple sort of tracksuit, had these like yellow spots, these yellow circles. I don't know, these random shapes just kind of dotted about on um on the kind of jacket and on the on the um on the the tracksuit bottoms as well and it just was an absolute stir i just remember him walking out on court and like i was almost kind of more fascinated with what the audience's reaction were looking at their facial expressions because it was just something it was just something completely different yeah, I know we saw like other players wearing like the top version of this because um, it was like just the Nike design or one of the Nike designs, wasn't it, for the AO. But I think just the top on its own with like plain shorts was okay. But the the fact that he wore like the whole tracksuit and he kind of did it without even like, I don't know if I if I was wearing that, I think I'd sort of want to laugh because I'd sort of feel like a bit ridiculous maybe. But he came out and said that um, he didn't want to be vanilla like he loves being different and he thought it was a fun outfit. So fair play to him. I'm not sure everyone would have been able to pull it off, to be fair. But obviously, Grigor is very, you know, fashionable. Um, you know, he's got that image going for him. So I don't understand him because if if I'm Dimitrov, right, I'm, you know, former semi-finalist. Uh, you know, I think I got to the quarterfinals uh, in the, in 20, uh, 2019. Um, you know, I'm, you know, a serious contender for the championships you know i'm i'm expecting to go you know deep in the tournament and then i come out in the first round in this like outfit yeah i feel like it's a bit like a it's too much but maybe it's a bit too much of like a joker outfit that you know maybe you could get away <laughs> with if like you know you you're probably going to go crash out in like you know round three or round four at best but i feel like you know maybe like if you want to be like taken seriously for the tournament like, can you really do that and and set the tone with such an outlandish, such an outlandish outfit? I know what you mean. It does look a bit like a child's just like splashed like bits of yellow paint on <laughs> on the surface. Um, I he said as well that he um was quite fortunate to have quite a bit of input into um. Like, I don't know whether he it was this one particularly, but some of his other outfits. So I'm not sure whether he was in, involved in any way in this. But I mean, it did make a big stir on social media. Um, so maybe he was just doing it as like, 
a bit of a ploy to get more likes or something or followers. Not that I'm sure he needs that, but I don't know. So I think some may view it as perhaps a work of art. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what the correct artistic term would be, but you know, maybe that will be put up in a gallery somewhere going forwards. Do you see it in like the Australian Open Museum uh, <laughs> in 15 years' time or whatever? Well, if, I mean, if he'd have won the tournament, maybe. But uh, I don't know. Actually, what did Griggle do at the AO this year? I'm not sure how far he got. Well, I feel like the fact that we're, all, we're talking about his tracksuit more than his performance, <laughs> performance. I think that probably says... <laughs> that probably says... Uh, that probably says... Well, that, that says all we need to say on that, I think, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right, let's kind of move on to, right, we've discussed it, verdict time. Kim, I, is it a fashion fave or a fashion faux pas for you? I'll go first. I'm going to say it's a fashion fave. You like it? Would you wear that, Joel? Would you wear it if you were playing tennis <laughs> up your local park? <laughs> I mean, um, seriously. No, I, actually, <laughs> I mean, maybe for a bet, but... um. I think more for like one off trying to uh trying to make a bigger splash as possible when you're kind of making your you know your entrance for the first time at the first kind of grand slam in a year. I think it's just a really it's just a fun way to do it. And I think, you know, I think kind of it almost captures that that feeling at the start of the year. And I think that feeling that, you know, with the Australian Open, it's like I think, you know, they call it the happy slam or, you know, it's the it's the goodwill and fun sort of taunt, you know, Grand Slam. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like the tracksuit almost kind of is, is aligned to that. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, for me, it's a, a fashion fave. What about, what about you? Okay. <laughs> Fair play. Um, no, I mean, I can see your point on that. It is quite, you know, fun and frivolous. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say faux pas for me because I just, I don't know. I just can't see the appeal, but, um, yeah, listeners, what do you think? Was it, was it, thumbs up or a thumbs down for you would you wear that on a on, in your in your local court no i mean i think a dress version wouldn't be so bad um because i think what it is it's like the totality of like the material the fact that it's like a full body suit i think that's that's the issue rather than like, like I think with pattern it needs to be it needs to be more concentrated like in a room like you'd have a feature wall with like strong wallpaper like a pattern or something like floral, whatever you wouldn't have that on all the walls. It's like too much. So I think for me, this leads just needs to be concentrated into a smaller surface area. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's move on. Let's move on um, to another um, full piece, I suppose. Um, it's the famous Serena Williams catsuit from Roland Garros 2018. Um, so I'm sure most of our listeners can probably remember Um she wore like an all black bodysuit with like a red belt um, for Roland Garros. I think this was her first Roland Garros since coming back from having her baby. And um, basically it was a Black Panther inspired catsuit. Um, so kind of superhero themed, I suppose, um, if you want to go down that route. But the French Tennis Federation took umbrage at her wearing this they said that it disrespected the sport um personally i don't see how it could disrespect sport um just because you're wearing something that covers your legs and arms or i I don't personally see how that's an argument um but yeah they came out and said players must respect the game and the place um i don't see how she was disrespecting anything by wearing this and in fact serena said that it was mostly health reasons that uh, meant she kind of had designed this collaboration with nike because of the blood clots that she's had a lot of problems with in the past um and it said it was kind of in order to prevent that from happening um kind of i guess like the idea of a compression suit um but joel i mean what what were your thoughts on this outfit i i personally pretty much I, I i liked it i thought she should be allowed to wear it i don't see any problem with it i think people who were t- telling her that she shouldn't wear it should quite frankly go and do one because how can they i mean as far as i'm aware roland garros doesn't have rules like wimbledon which says a player has to wear you know a certain color or anything so for me this was like outrageous that she was like being criticized so heavily for this yeah i i agree and i think like yeah i think for me i think it was it goes back to that point it was like it looks cool but also it's got that function to it because as you said this was this had like kind of her health in mind so 
I'm kind of like, you know, for me, this was almost very innovative in the fact that this was a, this was a suit kind of built for, you know, built for mums. It was, you know, built for, you know, built for players who, you know, may have gone through, you know, a difficult period and, you know, need kind of, you know, need something to kind of help them. Uh, and, you know, this suit was out there to kind of, as I said, kind of, you know, sort out her problems with uh, her history with kind of blood clots. So, you know, I think the kind of the functional element for me is like what's really kind of impressive about it. And I don't really understand why it got like the criticism it did. The fact that also it was kind of Black Panther inspired makes it even cooler. And it made me actually think, why hasn't there been more sort of superhero comic book themed uh like designs or, or clothing in the tennis world because um you could have players yeah, coming I, out with capes on uh you know <laughs> and then take them off as they kind of start exactly. their warm up <laughs> why not especially because like especially because you've got you know all the greats of the game at the moment like you know, obviously serena williams nadal federer who are almost kind of like these superheroes and, and do these really super things on a tennis court so you know maybe brands like adidas and nike could maybe tap into that by having some sort of you know nod to um you know nod to kind of yeah superheroes in the way that this sort of done this sort of has done um so yeah those were kind of my initial kind of impressions of it um yeah, we could have uh, we could have like super fed or I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think now. Super um, fed, yeah, I love it. Super fed. Um, yeah, like I like I like this outfit because you know it's quite striking, but it's also functional, as you said. And you know, yes, it helps her circulation. I don't know if they were thinking she was gaining some kind of sporting advantage from that, but as far as I'm aware, there's nothing in the rule book that says she can't wear this. Um, so I why can't you know if other people wanted to go and wear a cat suit let them do it like go ahead um in fact it doesn't even cover her arms it's it's still short sleeved just looking back at it so um yeah i think there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of kind of claims that they were being quite you know sexist and racist in their kind of criticism of her and i think there's certainly valid claims for that um but she wasn't actually the, the only player that's actually worn a cat suit um joel because if you go back to Wimbledon, I think 1985, Anne White wore a, a full-length white catsuit, um, which also caused stirs. And I think the All England Club um, definitely, I think after this match, they said, right, you're not wearing that again. Um, even though, again, you know, she, it was all white. She didn't break... Um, she didn't break any Wimbledon rules by, <laughs> um, I don't know, wearing this thing. Um, I don't know. I think I've got a quote somewhere. Pam Shriver um, wasn't a fan. She said it was the most bizarre, stupid-looking thing that she's ever seen on the tennis courts. Um, but I mean, I quite, I quite like the catsuit generally. I like both Anne White's and Serena's. If we kind of do this at a double header, and we, and we did put this out on our Twitter, whether you know, we we asked you know, who wore it better, who wore the catsuit better. Was it Serena Williams? Was it Anne White? And I think at the moment, seventy percent of people say uh, it, it was Serena Williams, but. Um, yeah, I look at the one Anne White is wearing, and I just think like, ah, oh, I don't think it's very good. I don't think it's, I don't think it is dated very well. And I think I'm gonna have to side with Pam Shriver on this one because I'm looking at it, and the the it kind of the all white kind of catsuit pieced together with the the leg white warmers. leg warmers, the white leg warmers as well. <laughs> I don't, I just don't think it's dated very well. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, if we're gonna if we're gonna do fashion fave or fashion faux pas, for me, Serena Williams definite fashion fave, but the Anne White all white cat suit for me is a fashion faux pas. Yeah, I, I see your point because Anne White's the, the neckline not so keen on, but the leg warmers was it a particularly cold Wimbledon that year? Why would why would she need to wear like woolly leg warmers? Um, I think she does look more at home in kind of like an eighties fitness video, but. I mean, fair play. To her. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Maybe I'm being a bit hypocritical because I was just having a go at Grigor for like making a statement in that horrendous tracksuit. But I don't know. I feel like um, basically in the women's game, there's a lot more like critique about oh, what a woman should be wearing, I and mean, not just in tennis, but in life. So I'm, I'm kind of definitely maybe in favour of anyone that's like trying to have a bit of fun and do something a bit different. And if that means bending a, a sort of established rule that or not like rule in you know uh, parentheses i'm I, i'm all for that but um yeah i'd say serena death is is i think you know she wore her one her one better um but actually that year in at roland garris she pulled out i think serena did 
in the third or fourth round with um, an injury. So she didn't get that far um, in in that event. But the the year later, interesting, I don't know if anyone remembers, uh, well, last year, I suppose, that was when Serena turned up with her... um, Another kind of statement outfit. She had um, a specially designed outfit. It was like black and white with like writing on with the words mother, goddess, queen and champion in French and English. So I thought that was a nice response to all the criticism that she'd got, you know, the year before to kind of come out of this like empowerment piece. So yeah, go Serena. I, I liked both of those years of outfits. It's a fashion, fa- it's a fashion, it's a, a fashion, fashion fave from you. It is, yeah. And, and white. What do you think? And white, probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm still going to go for fame. I think I still like. Oh, the Kim, yeah, really? I'm gonna, really? Yeah. It's classic <laughs> '80s, Joel. You've got to admit that right. as well. Do you, so. Can you buy that somewhere? It it looks like a really unique sort of um, kit. Uh, I wonder I'm, if I'm it's gonna... in the Wimbledon Museum, perhaps, because actually, if anyone, <laughs> no, but honestly, the Wimbledon Museum has a lot of like really good outfits, a lot of like the Teddy Tinling dresses that he designed for a lot of players and commissioned for them. So they might possibly have uh, the, the cat suit from Anne White. I'd have to go back and look because I haven't been for a few years, but, but okay, yeah. Right. Let's, let's move on to our next <laughs> item of clothing and another, another iconic piece of clothing. And we're not talking about an outfit this time. We're talking about a specific garment and where to begin. Uh, Stan Vavrinka's shorts, Stan's shorts, 2015 French open. I feel like <laughs> these, uh, these were, these were, icon- I mean, these are iconic. I mean, the pattern, the played pattern it's just, you know, they were the talk of Paris, Kim. Um, I think they're, they're just so mesmerizing. Just looking at them, you just, my eyes are just, just get lost in the, in the played. <laughs> they are quite hypnotic, I have to say. Um, <laughs> although, funnily enough, when Stan like wore these for the first time, um, I assume it was maybe at the start of the clay season in Monte Carlo. People were kind of saying, oh, they look a bit like pyjama shorts. You know, what are you doing <laughs> wearing those? Um, and then lo and behold, you know, six, seven weeks, eight weeks later, French Open champion and suddenly everyone wants a bit of them. And and uh, now they're sold out, uh, you know, like uh, at that time, everyone wanted a bit of the the pants um and then they kind of defined him because i remember he had a little key ring made up of the shorts that i think he had on his racket bag like for is that right for like wimbledon yeah he turned up and he has had a little like a uh, key ring made up for for the pants the shorts so yeah i mean i think what i love about <laughs> them i genuinely i think what i love about them is like i look at them and uh, yeah i i don't actually see them as tennis shorts i think like yeah you could go to the beach in them you could like lounge around at home in them and i think that's what makes them for me quite cool is that you know yes you can wear them on a tennis court but it's like it doesn't they don't look like they feel like limited to that because they feel like quite fashionable and therefore you could maybe get away with wearing them in different different settings yeah, I could see someone like, you know, a trendy young man, for example, donning these shorts with like some flip flops and like strolling by the beach with a nice like cocktail in hand. Um, or, you know, I could see them as loungewear in your house. Uh, I think they're very versatile. So I'm, I think Yonex did a very good job, maybe, um, <laughs> by producing put, these. <laughs> Yonex put played back on the map as well. Yes. We don't see enough. We don't see enough played on tour, I don't think. Plaid, sorry. Why do I keep saying played? I mean, well, um, is it not played? I don't plaid. know. <laughs> is it played? Okay. Is it plaid? I thought oh, it was played. Anyway, I guess one could say they do look a bit like a sort of a gingham, like patterned tablecloth. So, I mean, maybe when you, you wore the shorts out, you could cut them up and like use them as like napkins or something. You could you'd continue the use of these shorts like post uh clothing I don't, I don't know but anyway they proved to be a bit of a lucky charm because stan went and won roland garros and he'd never been beyond the quarters before that year so all of a sudden you know wearing these shorts he is playing for the title and, and winning it um i don't know what he wore the year after when he was defending his title but i don't think they were quite so hypnotic uh or successful so um, I'm surprised he hasn't been wearing played sort of continuously since then, to be honest. Yeah, I that's, I feel like that's the biggest shame with some of these pieces of clothing is that they're obviously designed for, you know, just like 
a quarter of the tennis year and as soon as we kind of fall in love with them it's like oh you know the sponsor's got a new um new line that the player wants to wear we don't see it as much as you know and almost kind of feel like these shorts were take they were taken away from us like too, too soon. soon yeah um, we only had one one clay season to appreciate them <laughs> so having said having said that i if we're going on to our verdict, I'm going to say for me, it is a fashion fave because okay. uh, I love because the pattern. You would wear these shorts if you saw them I in think a I would, genuinely. charity shop. You would wear them. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not a tennis court. I just, I'd wear them out. I think I'd wear them out. Okay, hot, cool. A hot, um, it was like a hot day, and you know, I wanted to, you know, just go out in London or whatever. I genuinely, I think I'd, I'd wear these. Excellent. Well, I mean, you can go and look at them. You can go and look at them for real because they are in the Roland Garros Museum, apparently. Um, I am going to say that they are. I'm just now I've mentioned curtains and tablecloths. I can't get away from that. So I'm going to go. I'm I'm kind of going to put them in the faux pas category. However, however, they are a very successful faux pas. So I will give those shorts their due because they are unforgettable. So, yeah, the best pair of shorts in tennis. I mean, the most memorable, perhaps. Okay, right. We are back and we've got some more items of clothing up for debate. And Kim, I know this one, I think, is going to generate a lot of a lot of conversation because I feel like a lot of people are for them. A lot of people are against them. Again, they're quite iconic. I think they're quite dated now as well, actually. I'm talking about Rafael Nadal's three quarter length shorts trousers i think in america they call them capris basically those those sort of halfway house trousers he wore (laughs) halfway house (laughs) at the start of his career yeah i think also i mean i refer to them as parata pants i i I don't know where that comes from but i think they were they were referred to that as well um yeah rafa wore these kind of from the start of his career up until i think 2009 when he became a bit more conservative and, and went for like regular shorts um and now we're so used to him just wearing normal shorts that like i kind of forgot that he actually wore these um and obviously he wore these with like you know the sleeveless you know muscle shirt so he was at that time i guess you know with slightly longer hair he was obviously a lot more youthful kind of going for that like boyish oh i've just broken onto the scene and winning everything kind of gung-ho kind of style um which i think really suited him at the time and i i am a fan of these um if i didn't like them maybe i wouldn't have ever become a rafa fan who knows (laughs) um (laughs) but um yeah i mean what was your you you wouldn't be you know you'd wear stan shorts but you wouldn't perhaps wear these then joel is that your style No, no i think i think my biggest issue with them is i yes i think you can get away with them at maybe 18, 19, 20 years old when you're kind of just breaking out onto the tour. But as you get older, I just can't imagine a 30 year old man like wearing these, (laughs) wearing like capris on a tennis court. I just, I just couldn't imagine it nowadays. And I think like for me, it's like the the fact that you could only wear them for like maybe two or three years uh, is like a, is a negative, is a negative to them. They're not very sustainable. No, just I only think you can wear them as a youngster, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think even Rafa said that he said that they were okay when he was like eighteen, but it's not really, you know, a style that he should be wearing when he like got to a certain age. Um, and I think in a way that is true because I I've never seen any other player wearing these on a tennis court before. I know there are quite a few players that wear fairly long shorts that come up to their knees, but these Parata pants were like you know, proper three quarter lengths. And I think also Rafa is a very sweaty player. And I think it must have been quite hot and like on his legs maybe to to wear such like, you know, an excess of material. And obviously he has his history of knee problems. So maybe um, it was just a bit inconvenient when he had to sort of wear bandages around the knee um, and get treatment like in the middle of a match to kind of have to pull up this material I, I don't know I'm just thinking practically speaking um I I mean I'm a fan of him in in the shorter shorts of course and um yeah I mean interestingly he doesn't wear the the sleeveless shirts anymore either just talking about his fashion or his look as a whole except he only wears them in Australia because he said he sweats so much more there and he, he can't wear sleeves um because of the sweat um otherwise he's he's kind of 
pretty much mainstream with with sleeves and shorts now i definitely think his fashion generally speaking has got better over the years for me this was for me i I don't know this was not his greatest look i really love the um the pink the like the the yes. light pink the, the yeah the pink mm. of the u.s open i really like that that sort of look um yeah. but yeah for me the capris are a fashion faux pas kim okay. i'm sorry to say <laughs> no I will, pants, I will accept that. Uh, not a good not a good look for me listeners what what do you think um yeah will we ever see this look come out again maybe at an exhibition or something um i also loved rafa in pink i think that is probably you know one of his best colors it really brings out kind of his skin um but yeah i'm gonna go fave obviously it's rafa so um a bit biased on this one but uh, yeah let us know what you think listeners and uh yeah, I mean, also, this maybe brings into question, like, the, the fashion of, of, like, the big three. And I think our next one is is Roger Federer. We're going to talk about Federer's, uh, one of his infamous uh, outfits. Or not, it, well, this wasn't an outfit um, that he wore, kind of, whilst playing. It was it was a jacket that he got out of his bag and put on uh, after the 2009 Wimbledon final. So I think we can all remember he had a lovely, kind of, gold monogrammed white jacket emblazoned with a 15 um because obviously at that time you know winning that title he he overtook Pete Sampras's slam record um now you know a lot of people had sort of issues with this because they said it was a bit smug of him to have had a jacket designed uh, already like prior to the tournament i suppose assuming that he was going to you know take home another title so a lot of people said that this was just like really rude um to kind of wear this in front of Andy Roddick in like the trophy ceremony and that it was kind of you know rubbing in his face um but then on the other hand you know it's a it was Nike obviously it's a commercial enterprise he was probably going to get to 15 grand slams at, at, at some time if it hadn't been that Wimbledon maybe it would have been well actually it couldn't have been the next Wimbledon because by then it might have been on like 16 I suppose so it was a gamble that they were going to take wasn't it <laughs> Yeah, I think I think for me, what is so I think what rubs me the wrong way I think about this jacket is is the fact that you know he, obviously the, he brought it out after winning the final, um, and he beat it was it was the final against Andy Roddick when it went to that fifth set, um, sixteen think, fourteen you know, this, I think wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it, oh, yeah, it was so a, tense. It was a real marathon fifth set. I think, you know, Roddick had played Federer in, you know, various Grand Slam finals before. And, you know, I think, you know, you look back on Andy Roddick's career and, you know, without Roger Federer, he would have a lot more Grand Slam titles to his name. And, and you know, probably the biggest travesty is, you know, someone with, you know, a serve like Andy Roddick didn't win. Uh, you know, he didn't win Wimbledon. He didn't win that, you know, that that on a grass court, mainly due to, to Roger Federer. And, you know, to come out with, you know, a jacket that had... 15 on it when you know the guy next to you arguably could have had more without his presence um uh yeah i feel like i feel like for me that is yeah it is bordering on he might not have intended it obviously to be that way but that for me is how ultimately you know you're looking at looking at the pictures now it it has come across yeah i think um i'm all for you know players uh maybe embellishing their clothing with their achievements i think it's nice when after uh, like someone's won a slam you know they have their like shoes made up for like the next year's slam with sort of the number of titles they've got or like something added onto their racket bag which kind of indicates how many slams they've won I'm all for that like post event but I I think yeah this was a bit crass especially I mean okay if it had been like easy straight sets maybe we wouldn't have been so up in arms about it but I guess the nature of the final and the fact that I think this was the third Wimbledon final that Roddick lost to Federer so um, I just think it was a bit, a bit edging on the smug side. Um, but you know, in terms of the style of the jacket, it's very Federer, isn't it? A bit of gold. Um, yeah. and I guess I, I assume Wimbledon yeah. were fine with that amount of gold. They didn't take issue because it wasn't what he was playing in. Um, you know, I'm sure Federer fans absolutely ate it up and thought it was, you know, God's gift to jackets. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, Federer's style at Wimbledon over the years has been very dapper. Like I remember those long trousers he wore on court once. And I think he had a knitted a knitted jumper one year, which was yep. quite elegant. Yep. Um, my mum said that he looks, you know, like something out of a Poirot novel um, when it comes to <laughs> Wimbledon. And I think, you know, Federer is very like debonair when it comes to his fashion. Um, but in terms of this particular jacket, I maybe would edge on. I didn't really like it that much because I just felt, yeah, like it was a bit. I just felt sorry so for fashion, fashion fave or fashion faux pas? Yeah, I'm going to say faux pas. I think it's. I think it's a bit. I, I personally don't like sort of assuming that someone is going to win something. I think that's a bit um, tempting fate too much, and I'm really against doing that. So um, I'm going to go faux pas. Yeah, I am going to agree with you. I'm going to go faux pas as well. Uh, I, I, I'm nothing. Nothing on the design of the jacket. I yeah, I really like it. Like looking at it, I think it works well with the kind of the trophy the you know that gold streak on the arm but yeah the fact that with the 15 on it i feel like it was a bit like you know even if it wasn't intended that way it feel like it the way it's come across is feels a bit uh feels a bit close to the bone for you know a match um you know a match that went to five sets and you know it was against someone like um you know andy roddick so i'm gonna go faux part as well um so yeah, right. Let's move on to our next item of clothing. Uh, well, when I say item of clothing, I mean you could generally uh, her complete wardrobe. I guess you could put in <laughs> put on here. We could make a whole episode, I reckon, about this person, Kim. We could, yeah. Um, and if anyone's wondering who we're referring to, yeah, Bethany Matic Sands. Um, she's been dubbed the Lady Gaga of tennis because of, I think, her epic creations uh that she's that she's kind of concocted uh, on and off the court um and we're particularly going to talk about 2011 when she wore um a jacket onto courts um it's a bit <laughs> like a rodeo jacket and it had sort of like nice tassels tassels really and tassels. tennis balls yeah tassels <laughs> and tennis balls all white um, all white all white so that obviously the all england club could not you know take offense um uh yeah it was designed by someone called alex noble uh who created this jacket for her to wear um so she she, she used it to make an entrance onto the course it was a bit heavy i think to play in um but yeah i think this is just so um creative i don't really know what else to say um what's your take on on this joel would you would you wear this perhaps pair it with a bit of stan oh, shorts i I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like I, the tassels are so long. They could they could be uh yeah, the tassels are really long. I feel like it's it's trying to be patri- maybe patriotic. Obviously, you know, Bethany Matic Sanders is an American. It's got that sort of country and western <laughs> vibe that you associate with, you know, the United States. Um so I I feel like for me it would almost kind of work better the US Open versus somewhere like Wimbledon. Um, yeah, and she could have had like the American flag like emblazoned on it or something. You know, she could have injected some colour into it then for the US. Yeah, because so. I think almost like the all white of it actually takes away from it. Um, hmm. You know, obviously not, not a fashion expert, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just think this, is, I just think this looks... Uh, it just looks almost, dare I say, a bit try hard. And I think, I think also she's had better kind of, she's had like better creations um, that I've seen on a tennis court. Yeah, I mean, I I am a big fan of her fashion. I mean, I just like anything a bit. You know, she is different. She goes for it, and she's obviously quite passionate about fashion. Um, obviously, she's known for her high socks, which um, I think. I mean, they might help her with her like sort of circulation and compression sort of blocks anyway. But I, maybe that's I why she wears them. I love the high socks. I love the high socks. Yeah, I think they're great. And actually with this jacket, I mean, maybe the high socks are sort of representative of like white cowboy boots. That, you know, or maybe she could have come onto court in some kind of sporting cowboy boots of like rhinestones embedded in them. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, also she, she doesn't do this anymore, but around that era she was wearing like... Um, like eye, like eye paint under her eyes. It looks a bit like like wall paint. Um, but it was like uh, these sort of black strips, um, which she said helped reduce glare. Um, but she kind of 
had like silver bees like embedded on the strips like obviously B for Bethany um so that was quite unique as well and obviously she's got a lot of tattoos which kind of all over her body so she's obviously very creative and um I don't know flamboyant um as a as a character um so I, I think she's had some hits and some some misses I suppose with all her different outfits I remember she wore leopard print uh as well before she wore a dress with like cherries on i remember those um and i think it's nice to have something different every time you don't, you don't know what you're gonna get so i think i'm all for that i'm almost i'm almost worried that she spends more time thinking about her outfit than like practicing on a tennis court well she is very successful uh doubles player she's won like all the very, slams yep, that is so, very true, that is very um, true. But i think she did actually do um a fashion like collection last year with uh, a fashion company called Lucky in Love. They kind of teamed up with her to kind of design, I think, sort of tennis themed like collections for each slam. Um, so she obviously, maybe she'll go into this when she retires, like she'll sort of go into it full time. And obviously we've seen like both both Venus and Serena have their own uh, clothing lines as well. So it's something that uh, see quite a lot of players are kind of getting into. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot gonna put you on the spot 2011 outfit bethany matic sands is that a fashion fave or a fashion faux pas oh i'm gonna say fave i'm gonna oh, go yeah I, oh, I just think like for it. we've never for it. we've never seen this before but we'll probably never see it again so i'm gonna say it's fave <laughs> very true that is very true i i'm gonna have to disagree i'm gonna go for a i'm gonna go for a fashion faux pas <laughs> apart from the high socks the high socks are a fashion fave everything else i'm dare i say fashion faux fashion faux pas um in terms of the 2011 outfit she's definitely got a few faves uh elsewhere but the 2011 outfit yeah i'm gonna go for faux pas um right uh next item of clothing on the list i've got two more um let's kind of rattle through these so the next one uh the i, I don't know i just kind of like this sort of animal carrying on that kind of animal print vibe uh french open 2016 um i think a few adidas players songa and ivanovic i remember specifically they were wearing this zebra pattern uh on, on the court um which i remembered at the time and kind of doing the research for this episode i kind of brought the, up the images again and i just thought it just looks really the pattern just looks really really cool yeah, I completely agree, actually. I think it worked really well against the clay as well. Um, that sort of, like I guess, monochrome outfit against like the red clay. Um, and also zebra print is really fashionable. Like there's a lot of zebra theming kind of going on in, I think, like interior design and, and clothing at the moment. Um, I think this worked really, really well. Um, and actually, Ivanovic said that, um, you know, she really liked it, of course, but it, she said the design also supports her favourite football club, um, FK Partizan, because apparently they play in black and white stripes. So um, she enjoyed playing in it in a sort of patriotic sense of the word as well, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think this worked really well. Um, I think other animal prints perhaps don't work as well. Like obviously, we just mentioned Bethany Matic Sands went kind of down the leopard print route. Uh, I don't know if that would work so well. Um, I'm not sure what other. Kim, kind generally of speaking, I just don't think. For. Kim, generally speaking, I just don't think leopard print works like in any Anywhere. context, whether that's on the, <laughs> <laughs> that's on the tennis court or maybe, or in, like, yeah, real life, but, or tiger. Yeah. yeah, to be fair, I suppose um, zebra though. I'm I'm, I'm digging zebra, yeah. so I I'm going to say fashion fave, hundred percent fashion fave. Yeah, and I think if Greg Griggle had stepped out in a full zebra outfit at the AO, I think I would have that would have changed my mind on that one. So oh, that would be I amazing. Think, Let's I make know, that happen. That, yes, I think they should bring this back. Like Adidas did this in what twenty sixteen. So I, I don't know, maybe Nike or another another brand could do it. Kind of uh, when tennis starts up again. But yeah, I'm saying fave. I think you're you're with me on this one, Joel. Okay, right. And we've got one more one more item of clothing for today's episode, and it's a bit of a vintage one, and it's also one of our listener suggestions as well. So thank you, Nicola Lethem, I think is how how you pronounce it correctly. Um it's Bjorn Borg's iconic red feeler jacket. Uh, you know, the one he wore uh in Wimbledon in the men's final against John McEnroe you know it's that classic that classic look and oh, I just love the style 
and it just oozes kind of coolness doesn't it kim it does it's it's classic um it's it's officially known as the mk3 Turinda, if anyone remembers that um we've obviously been doing a bit of digging on this one um yeah it was very iconic feeler tracksuit top and i think um Andrew Ridgely of Wham then started wearing uh, one, <laughs> yeah. which though so it became known as the Wham top, apparently, because a lot of people were kind of going around wearing this jacket. So it transcended tennis and became, you know, a, a fashion icon of the 80s. Again, I think that's why it's so great is that it transcends tennis. And it's, it's the fact that you could wear that. You can wear that on a tennis court, but you could wear it in other contexts as well. And it would still like, generate cool points so for me 100 percent, it's a fashion fashion fave an old school an old school fashion fave an old school fave yeah no i think <laughs> I, I yeah and i think they didn't they didn't um create many of these so they are very you know elite and they were very expensive so you couldn't just be anyone to be wearing these um and i don't know if there's any still out there but they probably are worth quite a lot of money any like vintage ones going around um was this perhaps the heyday of like how to wear a tracksuit top maybe um Grigor should take note I, I don't know but um yeah I think like purely for vintage retro points I I'm gonna have to say this is a fave as well definitely uh, and I think that's a good good point to end on uh listeners let us know if there are any other items of clothing you want us to put through the fashion fave or fashion faux pas test with the passing shot um obviously you can contact us on social media um on facebook twitter and instagram at passing shot pod or if you want to email the show you can do so on our email passing shot pod at gmail.com Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're, wherever you're listening to us. And if you are listening to us on Apple, make sure if you are enjoying it to give us a rating uh, and leave us a comment. Uh, but for now, uh, I think that's all we've got time for for this episode. We'll, of course, be back uh, next week with a, new, with a new episode. I think we're going to be covering Monte Carlo. So I'm looking forward to that. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye. 